Hey, I'm Heather, a chaos coordinator and mom of three young kids. Chaos and cookies is literally my life, with never-ending dishes, laundry, you name it. Being a mom is a blessing, but it also comes with hard days too. Together, we can find the humor and real solutions to lighten your load and clean up the crumbs. You're listening to the Chaos and Cookies Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Chaos and Cookies Podcast. Today, I'm very excited to have a brand new guest uh, with National Geographic. Her name is Susan Goldberg, and she is the editor-in-chief of National Geographic. Welcome, Susan. Thank you very much, Heather. Glad to be here. I'm so happy to have you. And before we jump in, I do an icebreaker question. And so I'm going to lighten the mood a bit. And so what is your favorite cookie and or cookie memory? Oh, oh, hmm. Hmm. I love peanut butter cookies. I think those might be my favorites. Uh, I I don't have a cookie memory. I feel really terrible. I no, I it's okay. Think of a cookie memory. I apologize. But anything with peanut butter and maybe semi-sweet chocolate chips in it might be really good. Do you bake? Do you have time to bake? Um, I cook a lot. I am not a big baker, but I cook, cook, cook. Especially in the last you know 18, 20 months. <laughs> Right, because we couldn't go out. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, welcome to the show. I always just like to ask that question. And uh, so tell us a little bit about your role at National Geographic. And we're also uh, highlighting the book, The 21st Century, Photographs from the Image Collection today. Sure. Well, I'm the editor-in-chief of National Geographic and the editorial director of our company, which is called National Geographic Partners. And what that means basically is I lead our journalism across platforms. So, you know, I work on I work on some of the books, I work on magazines, all of our social and, and digital storytelling. We have podcasts, we have newsletters, I mean, you name it. And all of this editorial work is uh, things that I'm involved in. Wonderful. And how long have you been the editor-in-chief? It's almost eight years. It'll be eight years in January. Wow. Congratulations there. Does your job require a lot of travel? Well, um, up until uh, March of 2020, it certainly did, uh, you know, uh, both both international and national travel. Of course, like everybody else, I kind of stopped traveling around March of 2020, but I've just started again. I was even last week just in San Diego doing an in-person speech, and that's the first time in more than 18 months I've done that. It was very exciting, felt great. Wow, I bet, because being stuck at home this whole time, especially with you traveling and getting to go to all these cool places, right, that you guys write about. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Excellent. And so what, uh, what, can you tell us a little bit more about the book? It's a beautiful book. It's got amazing images in it. I just received it in the mail and it's on my coffee table and my kids were actually looking through it and it was fantastic. My oldest who will be eight in November loves any, he's, he's my brainiac kid. I call him. So he loves documentaries and loves to learn about different things and read information. So he was really digging it. Well, I'm not surprised to hear that, and I'm really glad to hear it. I think this is a book that, you know, people, kids would love it, adults would love it, because what it really does is it looks at the first 21 years of the 21st century, so from 2000 to right now, and it documents some of the biggest events that have happened that we all can remember, you know, sometimes things that are very sad, like 9-11, 
um, which is obviously a huge event in our for our country, for the world, and that we are, you know, still living through today. But it also takes us back to, with some smaller things that maybe we didn't remember happened, some scientific breakthroughs or some great stories about the environment, um, stories about animals. And so I think whether whatever it is that you're interested in, or if, you know, your your child is interested in history or animals or whatever it is, there's pictures in there. And the point of the pictures is that these pictures all should make you stop and think and be curious and want to find out more. So that's what how we designed that book to make people want to find out more. And so how do you get into this book? Because I'm sure either you've got staff for photographers or maybe people submit their photos and their stories. How do you sift through and select them for a book like this? Well, that was really, really hard because what we have is one of the biggest photographic archives in the world. It's called the National Geographic Image Collection, and it has about 65 million print and even more print and digital images. Um, so we looked through the last 21 years of photographs taken um, to, to find the best way to tell the story of this century. And the way I think about it is, this has been a shared history, right? A shared journey that we've all gone on and we're telling it through pictures. So what were the best pictures we could choose to take people on that journey? That's what we tried to do. Because many of us are visual and so we can read about it and we can use our own imagination if we're reading actual text, but having a photograph that goes with that is super helpful. Oh, I think it's so important. So many people are visual learners, um, and the eye is always drawn to a picture first. Um, if you're looking at a magazine or a newspaper, or anything in print, first your eye goes to the picture, then to the biggest type, say a headline, um, and then down to a caption, and then finally to the text. So, so many of us learn that way. Um, but I also think that at a place like National Geographic, which is so known for visual storytelling, we need to not just tell people, we need to show them. And there is something very powerful about showing people information rather than just telling them information. 100% because it also will, you know, with, with text, it can be taken out of context, like texting each other versus seeing someone in person. You can hear you know, their voice and then you can see their face. So it helps create the story that is act like, I guess, more true. Yes. I mean, I, I think that there are ways to not tell a true story in photographs. I mean, of course, some people edit photographs in ways that are not appropriate. Some people alter them. We have very strict rules about, you know, what you can and cannot do to a photograph. We can do very little to a photograph here. You know, we don't colorize photographs. We don't take images out of photographs. If, you know, we don't add things to photographs. We do just normal toning and processes of photographs. And at National Geographic, when a photographer takes pictures for us, they have to send us all of the pictures. So they might take thousands and thousands and thousands of pictures. One of the reasons we ask for all of the images is not only are we, you know, wanting to see every image to choose the best one, but you want to make sure that nothing was changed along the way, right? You want sure. to be... 100%, 100% confident that we're telling an accurate story as well as a powerful story. Sure, because you know trust can only go so far. You want to make sure that everyone's staying honest and that maybe, maybe there's a better picture as well that might be telling the story that you guys want to tell and maybe not what they want to tell. 
Well, I mean, look, it's not that we don't we don't trust our photographers, but like many things, um, you know, I I came up on the writing side of the business. You know, as a as a writer, I always wanted an editor because an editor has a little bit of distance. Um, and could maybe say, you know, the most powerful part of this story, Susan, isn't in the lead of your story, it's in the fifth graph. Maybe that should be at the top of your story. The same way that a photo editor can look at, you know, a hundred images of basically the same thing and say, I know you like number 15, but we really think number 36 is better, and here's why. And there's just that distance that gives people an ability to maybe make a better choice. I see. And so, you are the editor-in-chief, which is a very big role, and powerhouse woman. So how did you get to this point in your career? Like, where did you start, and is there another place for you to go, or is this, like, your goal? Uh, well, I started a long time ago, uh, about 42 years ago. I was an intern at a newspaper called the Seattle Post-Intelligencer, and I was the intern they hired. And so that's how my career really began. When I was about 20 years old, uh, I started working full-time there in Seattle. And uh, just sort of one job after another, one place after another, a progression, a slow progression of you know, bigger and bigger places and bigger and bigger roles. And uh, come 2014, I got a call from a headhunter out of the blue saying, and I was working at that time at Bloomberg News, I was running their Washington bureau here, and the call came out of the blue and said, are you interested in talking about National Geographic? And I barely even let her get the words out before I said, yes, yes, I want <laughs> to talk to you. So um, I, in the end, I ended up getting the job and I've been here ever since. Wow, and National Geographic is such, like, it's, it's just been around for forever. My parents just moved and cleaned out their closet and they have an entire uh, series for the years that my sister and I were born. So I was born in 1985. So like the entire collection and it's just one big series. And now I have them and it's, they're almost just like collectibles, but they're, cause I'm just, my kids want to go look at them. I'm like, but don't rip them. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, you know, I always think that a used magazine, a well-used magazine is the best sign of respect for it. Um, you know, so having some, you know, a little bit uh, dog-eared pages isn't so bad. Um, but I hear that story all the time. People do save the, save the print magazines. Um, and there, because there's this sort of reverence for this brand, which, as you say, has been around uh, forever. I mean, forever in these terms is actually 1888, and that's when National Geographic um, comes into existence. Wow, it's it's, and you have the iconic square, and it's the all the yellow, and I, we also have a whole series of just animals and books, but they're hardcover, and mm -hmm. that's I gave those to my son, which he just loves to to look at them. And so what, for the moms that listen to, to my show, uh, how can we, do you have any recommendations for National Geographic that we could offer our children to get them more educated? Because it's really important to teach them about all things in the world and not just like maybe what the news sees, because that's just very convenient or what the internet shows, because now everyone has phones and computers at their fingertips. Right. Well, we do actually have a lot of products that are geared specifically for children. So we have an entire children's book division, right? And so they publish, I don't know, dozens and dozens of books every year uh, specifically made for children. And, you know, these are stories about 
these are inspiring stories about kids and kids who help animals and inspiring stories about animals and it's it's just fantastic. In addition, we have a special kids magazine. It's called Kids. Uh, it's called National Geographic Kids and it comes out um, six times a year and then we have, excuse me, it comes out ten times a year and then we have a another magazine called National Geographic Little Kids and it's Aww. actually a little magazine. It's probably about six inches square and that comes out six times a year and that's for like just really little kids and it's just, you know, pictures of baby animals and some big type, but I think it's all designed to get kids interested in a world outside of themselves. And it also talks about how they can help, right? So if you want to help with climate change, you can go plant a tree, or if you want to attract butterflies to your garden, you can plant a butterfly bush. Or There's all kinds of fun games and puzzles and quizzes and things that kids can do to feel like, hey, they're involved in a bigger world. Absolutely. And you always want to have that educational aspect to things and you want to teach them things. It's fascinating to watch my oldest just consume information. He likes to watch National Geographic documentaries. He had us watching one about, yeah, I think cobras the other day. And I was what I was like, oh, this is what we're going to watch before bed. Okay. <laughs> and it was just, he was just not even phased. He loves it so much. And he tells me fun facts. And I think it's wonderful. Well, and you know, we have this one aspect, we have this repeating feature in our in our kids magazine, it's called Weird But True. And Weird But True is also a series of books. And what they are, are just weird but true facts about <laughs> things. And you know, kids love it. And sometimes they're sort of gross things and you know, weird things, but it's, it's terrific. And it's great when I hear kids sort of spout that back at me. Yes. And my kid, I mean, I have boys and a girl, but he's all boy. So gross things don't matter to him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, weird, but true could be the ticket. Oh, well, I'll have to look into that for sure. Well, to round it back out to the book that you are promoting currently, which is the 21st century photographs from the image collection. Uh, you guys decided to group the images chronologically as opposed to thematically. Is that correct? Yeah it's, a little, yeah, it's a little bit different because often if you pick up a big photography book, it'll be grouped around, you know, images that are all of a theme um, or perhaps uh, grouped by geography. But instead, we decided to take people through the 21 years of this century. So we wanted to do it chronologically. You know, we want people to take this big book, lean back in their chair, you know, it's 430 pages, it weighs about five pounds, and start paging through it and then go on that journey through time, just as we all did. Um, and so I, I think that it does kind of take you on this journey because it's laid out the way it is. And I really like that because I found myself remembering a lot of things that I had, I had forgotten that had happened, you know, 20 years ago or 15 years ago. Do you have a favorite that's in there for you personally? Um, do I have a favorite picture? Well, there is one picture I really love, and it's a picture of this uh, Marine Corporal, and it's a, it's a young woman, and her name is Gabrielle Green, and she's getting ready to go, you know, to, to be deployed. So she's exercising, and she's marching up this ramp, and the weird thing about it is she's got like a 200-pound man over her shoulder while she is marching up a ramp, and she looks so strong and so tough and so determined, and she's got a tattoo on her thigh. And the tattoo, you can read it, it says, the fire inside me burns brighter than the fire around me. 
which is a great expression, something I love. And I like this picture so much, and it is in the book, but it actually hangs on my office wall because I find it a very inspiring, sort of empowering picture. And I look at it every single day. Wow, that's amazing. And so I guess with these photos in this book, we should look at every single piece and try to really pay attention to detail because that's what brought it as the deciding factor to put it into the book? Well, absolutely. I mean, there is something about every one of these pictures that should stop you, surprise you, make you think, make you care, teach you something. And that's why these pictures specifically were selected. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for sharing. Can you give the listeners uh, an idea of where they can grab the book, what makes this a little bit different and why they uh, should pick it up and then uh, where we can find it? Well, uh, they can uh, find out more about National Geographic and the book at nationalgeographic.com can kind of get you in that front door, but the book is available anywhere books are sold or on Amazon. Great, great. Well, thank you so much for your time. This was fascinating and uh, I hope uh, we can talk again soon about another, another project that comes your way. Thanks, Heather. Thanks so much for having me on. You're so welcome. And thank you listeners for listening. Uh, All the links will be in the show notes and go pick yourself up a coffee, a, a, a copy, and you can even keep it on your coffee table. And I'll catch you next time on the Chaos and Cookies podcast. Thank you for listening to the Chaos and Cookies podcast. If you want more goodies and friends to share them with, follow the crumbs to the Facebook group or visit the Chaos and Cookies website to grab my sweet secrets on how to calm your cookies. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. See y'all next week for another episode of Chaos and Cookies.